0: Tinakoto 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 koutou, tēnā koutou, koutou katoa, nga mihi nui ki a koutou katoa, ki te atoa, tēnā koe, nuku, koe. Te whare, te hunga māte, ki hunga ora, tēnā koutou katoa. manu e kai, ana e nona te nāheri. manu e kai, ana e te mātauranga, nona te the bird who feeds on middle has the forest. The bird who feeds on knowledge has the world.
1: And before we get into the episode, we gave you a trigger warning for part one and part two for violence against children, but I just want to reiterate that point. And also in part two, we do mention sexual violence, but none of that is detailed.
0: Fucking flooring to somebody. Welcome to part two. In part one, we focus on the year 2017, which was a pinnacle year. There was a new majority government, uh, which saw Jacinda Ardern and the Labour Party take over, and we saw uh, Ministry for Vulnerable Children actually change to Oranga Tamariki. Um, On the 7th of October 2017, Labour learned that they would rule the coalition government, um, which is a story in, in itself because everybody was waiting for Winston Peters. However, 26th of October, the name changed. So it was a very big move very early. But before we even get into the articles in the comments, we do have to talk about one thing. Tabby, we were both on the internet in 2007. Do you remember Blogger?
1: It's probably no.
0: Tumblr before Tumblr.
1: But then also, we were, well, given this is a New Zealand context, neither of us were in New Zealand, in New Zealand at that point. True, true. Well, for those uh, who are aware of Blogger, it was a Google site and it was
0: for blogs. And there was one blog uh, that notoriously uh, was New Zealand. And I, if you actually want to go into the facts, it is the only website on Blogger that had to be shut down. ...by Google itself. Damn. Yep. Yeah. and the blogger was called Sif's Watch.
1: Oh, God. I think mm. I have heard about this, but kind of retrospectively.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Google shut it down because the anonymous author... had ...made death threats to Sue Bradford, who at the time was an MP. The death threats were made to her because she created... ...and successfully pushed through the anti-smacking bill. If you're going to send death threats to an MP
1: over an anti-smacking bill... Reassess. Yeah, I was going to say the irony of someone sending the deck. They're just like, just take a second, have a think, and then maybe reassess your. think you might be too aggressive. (laughs) I think that's what it is. But no, uh,
0: really, really interesting uh, thing, I think, to discuss because the SIFs watch, uh, for those who aren't aware, and obviously it's not uh, on anymore on Blogger anymore because Google shut it down. But there is a WordPress archive of it. Um, And so we went through. Um, the SIFS what's it called Hall of Shame Um, and on the front page it says people want debate on SIFS and that it's better to name and shame the bad social workers rather than tarring all social workers with the same brush such a tarring is not fair to the good social workers who work at SIFS and the blog there are there are hundreds hundreds of uh, posts on blog about social workers The Hall of Shame. And it essentially labels um, pictures of social workers um, who would be uplifting children or um, who may not have treated children respectfully. And it posts their photo, it posts their phone number, email address, and at sometimes their physical addresses. Um, Obviously, putting them in danger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I guess there's... I think on this podcast, for sure, we critique government work quite a bit, and I think we've also had the conversation of free speech, but we kind of have to understand as well, social workers are the instrument of the system. Mm. Um, we, we both understand that there are people that work in government who maybe uphold
1: patriarchal systems or oppressive systems, but are good people. Mm. And maybe it does, unfortunately, go against their values once you speak to them. Absolutely. But in the system, you got to make a dollar. You do. And it's hard to, in some cases, right, it's all contextual, but it's hard to put the blame solely on them, depending on the situation, as I said. Exactly,
0: exactly. And the, the interesting part about the blogger part, right, is it's, it's going over these individual acts. And I'm not going to get into... I'm not going to get into some of the articles which we've read on the SIFS Watch thing. If you want to check that out for yourself, you're more than welcome to uh, scour the dark web.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be there. Everything is it, it, there. It is really there. Allegedly but... never been. Continue.
0: <laughs> nice, allegedly. <laughs> um,
1: but without
0: further ado, you know what, let's just, let's get into it. First article comes from Stuff. Published on September 6, 2019, headline says, Two arrested during uplift of baby by Oranga Tamariki at Auckland City Hospital. Tagline says, Six police officers swarmed the hospital room while family members begged to be allowed to take a baby home. Very emotionally uh, draining headline there.
1: Yeah, um, and the footage itself, oh it's, it's a hard
0: watch. It really is. it, it It's its terrible, and and... Well, they said six police officers were there in a hospital room. I don't know any other time I've ever seen six police officers there to defuse a situation. If
1: that doesn't... I just can't imagine when you've just given birth and then you're in a... And then maybe, I don't know, you wake up from a nap or something. Mm. And then you see six police officers just kind of like storming into your room just around the area. That would be... They're, I'd be petrified. I'd be,
0: I, I would almost bet that there are prisoners who give birth in hospital wards uh, with, with less. less police officers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but let's not get into that. Let's instead get into these comments. First comment is from Adam. Adam says, They don't just go around stealing babies. There will be reasons why the kid was removed. Could be drug use, existing child abuse issues, an unsafe household for the kid. There's more to this story than what you are seeing in the video. we've talked about that in part one of we won't know the full story yeah. from these articles however this was a video this is the uplift video done by uh newsroom in 2019 mm. um and in the video you can see police forming a hospital room at auckland city hospital while a group of family members literally beg for them to you know be allowed to just take their baby home yeah um and and as you said given the baby was born what less than 24 hours ago That'd be just traumatizing. It's 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 got to be traumatizing, and and the video ends with an auntie being arrested for obstruction, um, filming the whole ordeal,
1: which I I just can't imagine how that would impact the psyche and the well being of just that that whanau. It would just be so detrimental to their just overall well being. Mm, it's it's not something that I think we can speculate. And the thing is. Unfortunately, this isn't the only time that OT's uplifting kind of techniques and methods have been horrendous. In June of 2019, News Hub investigated an attempted uplift of a newborn baby from its mother at a maternity ward, so similar to the preceding story. And in this investigation, you're introduced to Jean Tahuya, the CEO of Marty Midwives Arter, who details the previous uplift of a baby and I'll just quote what Jane says when she tells the story of the first baby and how they stole it from her it's unbelievable she had a difficult labor needed an emergency cesarean section her partner was with her the entire time he went home in the morning to have a shower and while she was alone in the room someone came into the room and said to her we need to check on your baby and push the baby out of the room in this hospital An hour later, the mother woke up and asked, where is my baby? What has happened to my baby? The mother was then informed that the baby had been uplifted by Oranga Tamariki. And it is really hard to read that because while we obviously joke around a lot, these are actual people with actual lives and emotions, and I cannot... I don't think I'll ever be able to no. imagine mm.
0: what that would be like. No, yeah, we, we, we sit here and, and, and we record this podcast and we read out that anecdote, and even me sitting here listening to that, that's just traumatic.
1: Just thinking, putting trust in the institution, just thinking, okay, I may have just woken up from a nap. You said we just need to check on your mm-hmm. baby. Of course, I imagine doctors and nurses need to check on a newborn baby a lot. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then to wake up an hour later and be told... That your baby just been uplifted,
0: yep. Even even before that, to go to sleep with that trust, yeah, and wake up knowing that that has been betrayed by the state, yeah, yeah. The you, people that you are apparently meant to trust, you can you can you can totally understand after reading things like these why people then go about their lives not trusting the state.
1: Hundred percent, and that's not even going into it's. We have no idea what the circumstances were. That led to Oranga Tamariki having the view that they needed to uplift this baby. This is just solely about the method of doing it. Because uh, to me, that's trash. Ultimately, that is just...
0: There is no circumstance whatsoever where that is okay, where you just say, we're just going to check on the baby, and then you take it. Nah. Let (laughs) me know. Let me know why. At least,
1: at the very least. I can't. That's absolutely horrible. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Next comment comes from Lily. Lily says, this is very sad to see. But in saying you must have been doing something seriously wrong for them to uplift your child like this. What do you reckon? What do you reckon Lily would define as seriously wrong? Because an uplift like this with six police officers in a hospital room where a miracle is about to happen, you must have been doing something wrong for them to do it like this
1: let me know what that wrong is and i just love how the first reaction is to just blame the family Mm -hmm. like off top just the first reaction Mm -hmm. and and this is this is honestly the take
0: that so many people have in comments Mm. of like the last person that they blame is the state the last person that they blame is the institution the last person that they will critique is the government because this shows the privilege that this person lives through of the state has never done me wrong so i don't understand in what world it would do you wrong
1: it truly shows the dissonance between people who are privileged and have had pretty calm lives where they haven't had much interaction with the state and everything's gone well for them as you said and people who for whatever reason interact with the state a lot and things haven't gone their way yeah it's just the it just shows
0: yeah and and in the true unpack way, in the true education way, Lily, listen to stories, read other anecdotes, and understand what situations people may have been put in to be in this situation itself, um, and, then, and then come back and, and read your comment.
1: And understand the historical context of this country that has led to all these things, which we'll touch on. Later on in the episode. Yeah, maybe we should just link Lily the episode. Yeah, actually, that's, yeah. Lily, just listen to the episode. Yeah, like, yeah, if anybody fair. knows a Lily, just, like, tell them. Like, yeah. you, it doesn't even need to be this Lily. If you just know a Lily, send them the episode.
0: We would really appreciate that. Yeah,
1: hey, thank you very much. We appreciate it.
0: Next comment comes from Sarah. Sarah says, Children wouldn't need to be under a court order for an uplift if they weren't in harm's way in the first place. I'm not saying this
1: baby is in harm's way, but the police are simply doing their job the police are simply doing their job. Now this is a common narrative where people try and use the oh it was just my job to justify them doing really shady horrible things. Oh yeah. And at what point does a person apparently lose their autonomy to decide what they what they want to do? I'm sure that if a police officer was like, "Actually no, I I deem this as to be incredibly unethical." Mm. They could just leave. Mm-hmm. They could talk to their I, I I don't know how it actually works in the police, but I'm sorry, they're not bound and tied saying you have to go and do this. Yeah, these are the same people that comment
0: this and then they sit around the dinner table and, and tell the story about the time the police officer let them off with the speeding ticket. Or the, or the, <laughs> or the, or the time that the police officer like, hey, listen, you ran that red light, but look, I'm, le- I'm having a good day. I'm gonna let you go, whatever. Yeah. And they, they brag about those situations. Mm. Then it's like if the policeman was doing their job, they would have booked you. Absolutely, for real. But 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 now in this in this context, oh, the police are simply doing their job. Let's not, yeah, mm. yeah. And once again, as you said, the the immediate thing is they put the blame on the family. Yeah, and yeah, we we, we even touched on it a little bit more of like you know the social workers on the Sifts Watch blog. Mm. Those social workers, albeit it is a job, people mm. study for that and things like that, but they are upholding this system that disproportionately affects Maori. And ultimately destroys that that family structure, you know. And and yeah, once again, you you always hear that thing of like, um, you know, all police are, are are bastards or pigs or whatever. I don't I don't subscribe to that sort of stuff. But like, you hear those slogans all the time, and and you think, okay, the, yeah, these people are people for sure. But at what point do their values come under the system?
1: Hundred mm, percent. I think it's there's. A much more nuanced conversation that needs to be had around quote-unquote just doing their jobs like are you at what point do your values if a job contradicts your values should you still do that job i i don't know the police i you've mean got,
0: you've got to make up your own call you know what look no further look no further tabby next article comes from news hub uh the headline is oranga tamariki deputy chief executive hawaii lambert has resigned uh, this was published december 14th 2020 uh, Taglang says embattled Oranga Tamariki CEO Grain Moss will not step down herself um, so we got a little a double thing going on there the deputy mm. CE has resigned but the CEO will not step down reading the article uh, Grain Moss the CEO did not actually say that she would step down they just they just looked at it like, well, she's still staying. She yeah.
1: didn't say she actually say anything. So she wasn't actually asked where you stepped down and said no, but they just yeah, <laughs> interpreted well. her not stepping down as taking a stand and just being like, I will not leave.
0: Yeah, shout out the journalist, huh? <laughs> First comment comes from Tracy. Tracy says, how about we just acknowledge that a public servant has been offered another role with another public agency and he has accepted it. End of story. Things are not all conspiracy sometimes. They are exactly what they look like. A person taking another job. Uh, I don't know about that one. First of all, I did say Tracy. In the first This is the first time we're going to mention someone's last name. Because this is Tracy Martin, the minister herself. <laughs> commenting on news hubs, Facebook. Like, yo, what y'all talking about? <laughs>
1: What y'all talking about? Yeah. This was the minister at the time. That I wonder if that's a first. It can't... It's not going to be a first. It it's can't absolutely be a first. It, gonna, it, it's a first for Unpack. Yeah. But, I mean, look, if there was a, God forbid, a News Hub article about Unpack, and they started... And in the article, they talked spicy about us. <laughs> are we... <laughs> News of if you do, you already know what it is. You don't get that smoke, but no, we ain't gonna comment. You're gonna get like a whole
0: season's (laughs) worth. Oh, we ain't gonna comment. Just check your office the next morning. Oh, it's gone. Oh, oh, that's mad. (coughs) Okay, Tracy's Tracy's point is basically: look, there's there's nothing wrong with the the system. Tracy's pretty much was like, look, it's just another civil servant taking another job. Yeah, um, nothing to see here. Keep it moving. in, in, in that uh, in that sector as well, people often switch ministries or switch departments um, quite simply because once you work for government, you can just, of course, hop onto another ministry and things like that. Um, but Tracy kind of blind to think that, oh, look, here's just another job. I'm just gonna leave this one and go, and there's nothing happened. Yeah. I think I think Helani was probably a little bit uh,
1: disappointed in the job that he was in, and just decided to move. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's always context that, of course, we don't have a view of, hmm. and I mean, we could take Tracy's point of view, but given the fact that Tracy feels feels a type of way enough to comment, it's like, what you hiding? What are you thinking, yeah. Tracy? Also,
0: there was one reply. Um, On on the uh, Tracy's comment and it was from William and William said would love to see you in some role at Arangatabariki I may not be a New Zealand first supporter, but do admire your past work William she is (laughs) That's all (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's uh That's hilarious (laughs) Next comment comes from Edward Edward says it's not the people that OT beating the kids to an inch of their lives Time to discuss the real issues. All right, we go. Yeah, take your time, bro. I'm going to take my shoes off. <sighs> all right, so before we even get into this comment, because we both know we about to get into some stuff Absolutely. in this comment for real. But in this, the replies were so wild. So First of all, everybody was talking about the whole abuse in the, in the foster care system. Um, but then everybody sent an at. Uh, to this lady named Rose. And if you don't know what an ad is, it's just the at symbol on Facebook and you can tag somebody and reply to them specifically um and it gives that person a notification that you've responded to something that they've said and uh whatever rose said uh all of the comments were like wow racist much Um, (laughs) the post archive says 27 replies and once you actually click it it's 13 so uh whatever rose did say uh she went off and it Mm. was racist Mm. um to the consensus and Look, Tabby, I know, look, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but look, okay, look, on Rose's Facebook, yo, she posts 11 times a day, for real. She's a, she's a hairdresser, um, she formerly lived in Australia. I'm not gonna tell y'all where she lives. All I, all I know about Rose at this point is she loves cats. She's in a lost and found pets group. Oh, you went
1: deep, bro. all over Australia.
0: Are you good? I'm, I'm good, bro, but like every single post on her page is about, um, dogs and cats, and, uh, her dog actually passed away. Damn. On the same day, she posted about the disappearance of it, and there's, like, a bunch of, like, grief memes about the the dog. Look, okay, look, you know, let's, let's get into the comment. Are I'm you sorry. good? I'm sorry. Look, bro, I love this. Because, okay, Rose is clearly racist, but also she hella
1: passionate about dogs and cats. And, you know, we're saying people having passions. Yeah, for sure. If you racist. <laughs> I right, look, 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 I'm, I'm going to stop you. So, aside from Kai's critical analysis of Rose's page... Edward's statement in the original comment is, unfortunately, incorrect. I mean, Oranga Tamariki has only been around for four years, and claims of abuse and care have already been made. However, when you're analysing the abuse and care in OT, it's almost irresponsible not to analyse the historical context of what OT was before it was OT. So currently there's the Royal Commission's inquiry into abuse and care from the state, But even before the inquiry, leading researchers like Elizabeth Stanley had been documenting the crimes of the state for years. And going back specifically to Edward's points, the state, unfortunately, has been beating people into an inch of their life. Now, we could literally talk about this topic for hours. And if there's one way to get Kai to lose track of time, it's to get into a historical bag. But Mm -hmm. I'll try and summarize the horrible unethical acts of the state as much as I can. And most of this information is from the book The Road to Hell, State Violence Against Children in Post-War New Zealand. as part of the Royal Commission and it's written by uh, the aforementioned Elizabeth Stanley. It tells the story of 105 young New Zealanders who experienced abuse and neglect in state institutional care as children. So, uh, first of all,
0: 105, that is... Now, that is a lot of not just data, but stories. Yeah, and, and that, that's, and a lot that's of people. people. What do you think... You know, as this, as a state, because the state is just such a massive thing. But like, what what role do you think the state plays
1: in like being our caregivers or our, our our guardians? Example. Yeah, that's a good question. But before we kind of look into that, I think it's important to understand how the state kind of treats different children. In the sense of the state, unfortunately, is not treated. All children alike. And when I say the state, I'm referring to, say, the Ministry for Vulnerable Children. I'm referring to Ministry of Health. Just as a whole lot of different organizations that came together to act as the guardian for children. But it's unfortunately familiar. But... Child welfare officers frequently regarded Māori children as neglected on account of their families' perceived cultural deficits. Police officers scrutinized their families' activities and disproportionately funneled them into courts for minor misdemeanors. And this discrimination continued from those ambitions of power by viewing Māori children as better off in institutions than with their own whānau. So it goes without saying that Māori children were overrepresented in these experiences and You honestly, if you look at New Zealand's history, that should not surprise you at all. And just to go into a bit of an excerpt around the physical violence, because unfortunately Edward's comment was directly about beating them to within an inch of their life, I'm going to just read a little excerpt. Physical violence was very common. One of the 105 participants were quoted as saying, I've seen people knocked over, just buff in the side of the head, and I've seen this guy getting knocked out. And it was just constant fear. You didn't know whether you were going to get bashed, you didn't know what was next. Children were slapped, punched, kicked, strapped, whipped, caned, belted, hit with objects, hosed down, or made to eat horrible items. And these punishments might be directed to specific transgressions, but regularly it was for non-existent reasons. And continuing on, physical assaults by children reflected battles for power and this institutional hierarchy. There was a kingpin system. It was used to designate some children as dominant and others as subordinate. And of course, the adults in the room, the carers, they're the ones who are facilitating this going on. Kingpins controlled others, compelling weaker children to hand over cigarettes or other valuables, making their bed, forcing them to do their chores, steal, or to fight them. Most children felt compelled to work their way through the hierarchy, meaning the victims became bullies and abusers.
0: So, first, first of all, there are very, very jarring stanzas there, and I know those are anecdotes, those stories that you know people have actually been through. Um, we started off this this part two i'm um, just talking about the the anti-smacking bill and it's it's hard not to draw a parallel to okay the anti-smacking bill was pretty much made to you know address the domestic uh, abuse stats uh, especially child abuse stats in new zealand um and you know things that pe- people would call putting your children in line leading to further abuse and so it's quite jarring to hear that this is state care and it's it's gone beyond smacking. It's 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 all the way to abuse. And then, you know, the the whole the whole kingpin system is, it's 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 so bad. But we did start off this episode, you know, talking about that hierarchy, talking about the hierarchy of those kids from state care. Yeah, and how families do see them.
1: Yeah, it's for me the just the horrible part was around the hierarchy and how. Those who have the positions of power are the ones who are facilitating this. And there's this last excerpt that I'll say. It was all about fighting your way up and finding your place in the pecking order. And those informal structures were manipulated by the staff as means of control. The kingpin had certain amount of mana with the staff and would receive privileges on the basis that he was imposing control. I can look back at that now and see that with some clarity. And I want to stress to you that those excerpts, those are just related to the physical abuse. I'm not going to discuss the sedatives that were given to these children. The sexual violence, the isolation, the emotional neglect, control over bodies, educational neglect, and the unnecessary transfer to mental health institutions for occlusion or control through electric shocks and moving children to adult prisons. It's just horrible, and we can't dissect everything. I would just really, really stress that if you're wanting to learn more about these tragic events in New Zealand's history, please look into the Royal Commission's Inquiry into Abuse and Care, and Elizabeth Stanley has written in-depth about this, and more people need to know about this. More people should talk about this and be shocked about this, because it is a dark stain on our country's history.
0: The last article comes from News Hub. Published on January 22nd, 2021. Headline is, Oranga Tamariki Chief Executive Grain Moss steps Down. Tagline is, the government agency has just announced the news. More to come. In our last article, we talked about Hwani Lambert, the deputy, stepping down, and the tagline being, Grain Moss will not step down herself. One month and uh, eight days later. Moss decided to step down, and remember how the Minister Tracy Martin was like, "This ain't a conspiracy, yo. Just, just getting a, a new job. Just a, getting ain't nothing hey, going on. Climbing
1: the climbing the corporate ladder, if you
0: will." Well, Tracy, I will disagree with you here because <laughs> it definitely looks like something going on. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that we can speculate that maybe, maybe it was media push, maybe it was the investigation, mm. uh, or maybe it is actually the creeks showing in the system, but. If your deputy chief, chief executive and your chief executive step down within a month of each other? Something's going wrong. Something wrong. Y'all should probably take a look at this system. Yeah, look at the internal things. First comment comes from Jack. Jack says, All these Pakeha with zero understanding of Ao Māori praising B that the police must be justified in doing this is so gross. Let's keep up the colonial legacy of stealing children from Māori instead of allowing fa no solutions. Confounds my mind everyone is willing to accept this means to an end, but not prepared to talk about or invest the welfare into supporting young mothers. The psychological impact is extremely detrimental removing a newborn baby from its mother in this situation. We must strive to do better, and not accept this is an acceptable solution that is the that is the most well-earned applause. That
1: was so succinct as I well think
0: that we could ever give out that we may ever give out. I think Jack has probably won an award already. Yeah. He's a front runner already. Yeah, we're going to
1: have the award ceremony, Jack. Season, I don't know. He's in the
0: season 3 awards.
1: We might need to name an award after Jack. Oh yeah, no.
0: For real. Um you, okay, to break that down in, in three first of all, facts. Yeah. You, you, there's we we've, we've already shown you that there are so many um, people from different backgrounds backgrounds in New Zealand but majority Pakia that have zero understanding of that Ao Māori thing Absolutely. and people who are trusting the state trusting institutions trusting the police and are just kind of like oh, let them do their job type thing just is a clear blind tone deaf way of not understanding that the Fano aura in like tikanga Māori is so so precious yeah. like Fano is so so important to Māori communities the second part that we kind of got to go through as well is investing the welfare into young mothers, into supporting young mothers, um, and understanding that removing a baby from a mother who is also just given birth to that child is detrimental for both in that situation. Absolutely, and you know, I I, I can speak from my personal experience as well that like coming from Kaitaia and being in a small community where faʻa is probably the biggest virtue that we that we have, you have. You know, three or four generations of people living in the same home. Mm. Um, you know, in comparison to the Pākehā culture of, you know, the uh, atomic two parents and the two kids in the abode and the, the kid will move out by 18 and things like that. And obviously there's nothing wrong with that family structure, but they both need to acknowledge that they are different. Mm, and they value different things, which is totally fine. That's totally fine, but it's not fine when the state is primarily pushing that Pākehā culture. 100%. Family sort of situation and structure. So, To Jack,
1: and to your point about the in a small community, if a baby, if there's an uplift that takes place, it's not only the direct family members; it's the entire community because they'll all know and hear about it. Everybody will know that they're expecting a new baby to join this family, and when that doesn't take place, I can't imagine the intergenerational impacts on the parents, on the grandparents. On the siblings, on the cousins, on the entire community.
0: I I gotta I gotta put out on a limb right now as well, and I gotta also say you gotta you also wonder what if I have a lot of friends who have been fangad um, into different families, and I also have friends who have been through state care because their family structure was destroyed by the state. And I'm not gonna go into details because I respect those people and their stories. But you also wonder what happens to the children I never met. What happens to the children that were born in to my community that were uplifted and, and moved on Yeah, you know and that's something that I guess we'll always wonder and I'm not gonna get caught up on the what if but that's a that's a that's a realistic thing you know next comment comes from Amanda Amanda says this isn't just happening to Maori and Pacific Island families
1: oh my god bro <clears throat> are we doing this <laughs> who put this comment in the in the script
0: oh my god <sighs> kill Amanda you are absolutely right. It isn't just happening to Maori and Pacifica Fano. Um, and Oranga is hurting a lot of people. So I don't understand why you're not mad at this. I really don't. It's it's happening to Maori and Pacifica a lot more. Um, and the children are definitely unlikely to be placed um, with Fano that know and understand Tikanga Maori or Pacifica culture. Yeah. Um but the, the real reason this comment annoys me is that this isn't just happening to Maori Pacific Pacifica. It's like,
1: yeah, you're right. And why aren't you mad about this? <laughs> yeah. It's still terrible. It's still horrible, like, regardless. And I think, to your point, looking at varying statistics from different sources, 60 to 70% of the babies that are uplifted are from Maori or Pacifica families. Exactly. And when you're looking at that in the context of the proportion of people in the country, they are way, way overrepresented in that statistic.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and as we've said before, that's just detrimental to everybody's well-being
1: yeah, involved. I mean, I mean, just talking about, as you said, you don't want to go into the what-ifs, but for that baby that is uplifted and, say, put into a family not of their um, ethnicity, we can talk about our own experiences growing up in New Zealand and the, and the cultural displacement that we feel. But we're fortunate enough that we have siblings, that we have parents who are of the same ethnicity, that we can talk to them and talk to them about their experiences Mm -hmm. and kind of share what we're all going through. Oh, yeah. These babies that are uplifted and placed in families not of the same ethnicity, they won't have that.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, you probably do have those cases that are, are very niche or very minimal where they do find their own culture or they do find their own community in that space that they are. But obviously, looking at these statistics of stake care and, and, and honestly, the, the detrimental stories of those 105 young New Zealanders who, who experienced all those terrible, terrible things in stake care, you also got to wonder, well, what if we never found our own communities?
1: when when
0: we moved here who would we be Mm. you know we sit here and do this podcast um and and deliver these stories from a i don't want to say a very privileged standpoint but apply like from a platform that we've created and 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 thankfully the listeners have given us but it did not have to be like this absolutely you know if we didn't find our communities um and if 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 we would have went through stake none of this would be possible Mm. last comment is from sue sue says Baby would not have been uplifted if there hadn't been circumstances that required. This happens no matter what the ethnicity. Protecting baby. I think. I think there is a lot of misunderstanding, about what the quote-unquote circumstances are. Yeah. That lead, um, you know, to an uplift. And obviously, in this instance, we we still don't know too much about the family situation, um, but. Typically, um, the the police or OT intervene uh, if they reckon the current environment is unsuitable for a child to grow in. But we need to we need to talk about you know what environment is that and what causes these environments. Are these environments got generational poverty, generational trauma? Like you know these are things that people push people into making poor decisions. And I, I guess you know we gotta we really have to look at that that domino effect, right? I, I, I really fear for kids that are in state care what their definition of fauna or family means now. Mm. Um, and and the mother that had that child uplifted, what her definition of fauna or family means now. Because we can sit here and talk about it for hours and we can do part three, four, five, six. But there are families that are are living with that and also living with the idea that that is being normalized, that those children needed to be uplifted by the state.
1: And if you look at a lot of our prison population today, you'll find that a lot of them actually have a history of being involved with the state from a young age, whether that's been taken into state care or whether that's um, juvenile or different things like that. So you've got to understand the historical kind of context behind that. And we're fortunate now where we're in a time where, kind of coming from a a data experience point of view, because we've had generations of this, there are a lot of different studies that are showing the detrimental impact of being in state care under these conditions and how that plays out in your life later on. And I know what people will say. People may say, oh, parent XYZ worked really hard and got out of it. And if so, that's great and I'm really happy for you. But overwhelmingly, the data is just showing that the impacts of being taken into state care are just severely detrimental for. I'm going to just blanket and say everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, like absolutely. And, and getting into that idea of, you know, I, I think, yeah, we could talk about the interge- intergenerational trauma. We could talk about the things that, you know, OT would be starting and, and the effects that they would have in 100 years. But we started off this entire topic. On that family structure we started off with the idea of both of us sit here without any kids we have our families of our own but what we don't understand is that our family values that we have we kind of take for granted yeah and I know that people sitting here listening to us as well right now you're probably understanding the same thing as you as you listen to this and The simple things of like sitting down at a dinner table. Playing with your kid at the playground. All of that builds this trust in you, the parent, to take care of your child. And these are things that the state cannot assume. These are things that the state cannot see. All they do is they look on the paper and see, is this a suitable environment on behalf of the state to raise a kid? And... If the state
1: can't raise the child, who can? And given that Fano is so important to Māori communities, acts like this is just a direct act from the state to decimate and destroy their cultural heritage, their well-being, and all of the above. And while this has all been doom and gloom, It begs the question, where are we now? Where are we today? What is happening now? Now, recently, the Waitangi Tribunal published findings of an investigation into Oranga Tamariki, state care, and what the future holds for that.
0: And the Waitangi Tribunal found that the uplifts um, and the whole system of Oranga Tamariki is not upholding Te Tiriti o Waitangi, exactly what we talked about in episode one. And if we focus on them, you know, whether they run into the correction system, the, the justice system, um, or get out, you know, and, and, and actually, you know, make something um, of themselves, quote unquote, whatever that means to the state, you have to understand that there is a loss of what family means, there is a loss of what identity is, and there is definitely a loss of where they place themselves as a Kiwi in the society. This episode was written by Lord Desvano, Kai Small,
1: and Tabby Savander. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, you can celebrate by heading to our brand new, shiny new, sparkly new, did I say it's new, website that is the physical prints of the artwork you see on your listening platform today. As well as having merchandise, the website has all the latest updates and unpack, gives you a view of the wonderful team behind us, and shows you where you can become a patron. Now Patreon is the easiest way to show your support for the podcast, and through a small monthly charge, you can get to know more about Kai and myself as people, with all funds going directly back into the podcast. So head to unpacknz.com for all your Unpack-related info, and help support our dreams.
0: Fucking floor just somebody.